The Jets were punched in the jaw by Geno Smith and the Seahawks in Seattle on Sunday, falling to 0-13 on this season to forget. We break down the 40-3 loss, Jamal Adams and all the old friends on the other sideline, kicker problems, and take a trip down Jets memory lane. We also chat with a former soccer kicker a long time ago. That's the post Mark Canizero, as we have a fiery debate of Bruce Springsteen versus Billy Joel. All that and more next on a Just End the Season edition of Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back, everybody, to Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown and Brian Costello coming at you twice a week. The end is almost near in this 0-13 season. It's a you know it's a franchise record, most losses in a row or start. Every kind of bad franchise record, the Jets are setting it. Mark Canizero from the New York Post is going to join us a bit later in the show. We'll have a uh, strong Billy Joel versus Bruce Springsteen debate as I expect to be pounced on by Kaz and Alex Camerata, two Jersey guys, and me being the New Yorker. Uh, but I'll do my best to uh, hold some, hold my hands up, defend myself, unlike Geno Smith to IK and Kampalian. Only fitting, Kaz, that in a 37-3 game, Geno Smith comes in and you know puts the icing on the cake to an absolute bloodbath in Seattle. 40-3, 0-13, former Jets all over the field, Sergio Castillo, couldn't kick a leck. He couldn't kick anything close to a goalpost. And everything was bad. Sam Darnold sucked. Your report card of the Jets looked like a high school dropout that, you know, went to do a cover band of, uh, I don't know, Green Day maybe, a Green Day pop punk cover band. And that didn't work out for them. That's what their report card looked like. It was just disgusting to even watch this game. And if you tuned out after the first or second quarter, we fully understand, guys. Yeah, Jake, it's a day where I'm glad I get paid to watch the Jets because I I really can't comprehend watching that entire game if it wasn't your job or you didn't have a relative on the team. Brutal game, you know, from start to finish. You know, they did have the opening drive, Jake. You got to give them that. That's seven straight weeks. They scored on the opening drive and then things seemed to kind of fall apart after the opening drive. But um, yeah, this was another game out of a lot of them this year where there wasn't a minute in the game where you thought the Jets were going to win. There was, you know, I, I, it's funny, Jake, you fi- I find myself when they're down 17 to three, I'm like, wow, they're keeping this close. Like this is much closer than I expected it. And they're losing my two touchdowns in the first half, but the expectations are so low now that it's hard for them to get any lower. You know, Sunday was exactly what I expected. You know, I picked 44 to seven. I missed it by a little bit, 40 to three, you know, this is what, who they are. And obviously Seattle's got a good team. I think they were focused after that loss to the Giants. And you're right, there was ex-Jets everywhere. You know, Snacks Harrison forces the Frank Gore fumble. Jamal Adams obviously gets the sack record for defensive backs. Uh, you know, Brian Schottenheimer calling a good game. Pete Carroll's winning over there. You know, he's been winning since he left the Jets pretty much. And uh, even Nick Ballore I saw on special teams. And then, you know, I, it was it was some point in the game where ex-Jets were doing things, and I tweeted, I'm like, there's no doubt Geno Smith's coming in here and throwing a touchdown. He didn't get the touchdown, but he did get in the game. First time Geno's played in two years, Jake. So uh, all around just, you know, another dismal performance by the Jets and just an unbelievable season. 
And if they let Gino throw the ball around the field, he might have, Kaz. They were kind of playing a little conservative. I would have just let him throw Hail Marys and have some fun <laughs> with the Jets at that point. But obviously, Pete Carroll is, has some class. He's not going to just, you know, they already felt bad. They said after the game, oh, man, we feel bad for those guys. Yeah. And Jamal Adams yep. said he feels bad. And he gave Adam Gase a hug after the game. I know that was a big topic of discussion that they hugged. <laughs> and, you know, all things were good and grand after Jamal Adams, you know, cried his way out of town. Yeah, yeah. I maybe he maybe he took the knife out of Adam Gase's back as they hugged. I'm not sure. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, Jamal's a phony, and that's who he is. And uh, you just like you know, he, he killed the guy on his way out of town, and then now, then he's they're hugging after the game. That made me laugh. But I looked it up, Jake, during the game. The you know the worst loss in Jets history, score wise. 56 to three. They lost to the Patriots in 1979. I believe our guest, Mark Canizero was at that game. We can ask him about that. God, he's I, old. Think, I think, <laughs> I think a young Mark Canizero might've been in the stands at Foxborough stadium that day, but 56 to three. And you know, when it was 37 to three, I'm like, Oh, we, we could get there. If they left Russell Wilson in, I think we would have gotten there. They, they took their foot off the gas. I'm believing in the, in the third quarter, like you rarely see NFL teams pull their starting quarterback when they're winning by a lot, hardly ever in the third quarter. I can't, I can't remember ever seeing that. So just, you know, the jets are the homecoming opponent right now, Jake, they're the team everybody wants to see on their schedule because they're, they're an easy win and you can fix whatever's wrong with, you know, the Seahawks were scuffling a little bit after that giants loss. They're not scuffled anymore. They look pretty good. Yeah. They could have pulled Russell Wilson after the first quarter and been perfectly fine and still blew this game out most likely, or even halftime, whatever. Um, and, and, you know, it's a telling story of two sides here, Kaz. We talk about all these former Jets and kind of the Seattle Jets over there. Pete Carroll starts a head coach. 94, one season with the Jets, 6-10. and 10. What does he do after? Goes to USC, wins two titles, four Rose Bowls, an Orange Bowl. Then he goes to the Seahawks, wins a Super Bowl. He's been there a decade. And just longevity and consistency in one spot, something the Jets have lacked for so many years with all the turnover they've had. Geno Smith goes there. He's not a story. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's a backup quarterback. He was never supposed to be a, a really good starter, and he was exposed here. He should have been a backup. They tried him, obviously, early on. You're seeing what you had in him, and he was not good. Now he's filling his role nicely. A guy that comes in for Russell Wilson, if he's hurt, he's respectable to fill in in a game as a backup. Jamal Adams goes there. He's now set the defensive back. Sacks record now with eight and a half sacks. Jason Myers, a guy for, for God knows, cause the Jets get rid of he's a pro bowl kicker he hasn't missed this year i know i think he's missing an extra point but he hasn't missed any kicks he's been awesome brian schottenheimer you know you ripped him i ripped him as a fan you ripped him as a writer oh they, he's not a great offensive coordinator you had to apologize to him because you were like yeah. the jets are longing for you to come back um, and he led the Jets to back-to-back -to -back AFC title games with Mark Sanchez. Snacks Harrison forces a fumble. Ballore, you said, played a little bit. Brandon Shell is starting offense tackle in Seattle. So you're seeing former Jets have success on the other side of the field in numbers and in abundance and cause. Like I said, longevity and consistency. The Jets have had so much turnover, and we always talk about it. You can't set a culture with the kind of turnover that they've had with this roster and coaching staff, and you're hoping that this offseason is that fresh start and maybe this offseason is the beginning of something new and something different that the Jets badly need. Yeah, you better hope so, Jake. I mean, the alternative is another decade of wandering in the wilderness. I mean, here, here you go, Jake. I, I, looked, I looked at this last night. So since 2011, right, the season after the championship game, they have won 57 games and they have now lost 100 games since 2011. That's an average of 10 losses a year. Even a math major like me could figure that out 
100 losses in 10 years, 10 losses a year. They're they've become we we joke about worst franchises. It's legitimate now. Like they, this is they are there with the Browns, uh they're there with the Lions, they are there with these worst franchises in recent history. Now, they're not the same as those teams cuz they did have success, you know, 2010, 2009. Those teams haven't had success like that. So, I won't throw them completely there, but in terms of right now in 2020, it's hard to look at a franchise that's in worse shape than the Jets. Uh this you know, they're obviously 0 and 13. They're going to be basically starting from ground zero after this season you know there's gonna be a new coach uh, i think there's gonna be a new quarterback if they go in 16 it's gonna be trevor lawrence we think you know and, and there's very few building blocks on this team makai becton uh quinn williams denzel mims other than that there's not much here so you're right they, they need to establish a culture but you know more than anything jake right now they, they need good football players to establish that culture because you look at seattle and jamal goes in there and he's kind of fit in and he's not rocking the boat that's culture. You know, that's because he knows what's expected. He knows they've won there and he can't just be disrespectful of the coach and he can't mouth off because it's not going to be tolerated there. He has guys like Bobby Wagner that are going to set him straight and Russell Wilson that are going to set him straight. The Jets have no one like that. You know, like we talk about Jordan Jenkins is the longest tenure player on the team. There's no one here before 2016. There's no expectation of what it means to be a Jet and somehow, some way, whoever the coach is next year, along with Joe Douglas, has to figure that out and start establishing a culture here and and really Jake more than anything that means getting good players in the door yeah and one of those players who who thinks he's good but he's not is Frankie Louvu what a bum this guy in the fourth quarter cause it's 37-3 and he tackles a guy and he's looking over him and taunting look at the freaking scoreboard you are not close I mean this team is so poorly coached and disciplined and as players really that wouldn't start in any other league in any other team in the league Frankie Louvu's lucky to be having playing time on this pathetic Jets defense and cause he's looking over a guy taunting him so selfish, so nonsensical that players will do that. And we talk about, you know, a team and, you know, uh, the culture, and that's just selfish play. And just, I mean, that's not the time or place to be standing over a guy. He's lucky he didn't get a penalty either. I don't know if you saw this play. But he's looking over the guy, and it's 37-3. You are not close. It's embarrassing, Kaz. You are a bum. I'm guessing I was probably writing at that point, Jake. I, I don't remember the play, and I really didn't. Of all the things I expected to talk about this morning, Frankie Louvu was not on my it list. It pissed me I, off. A, I tweeted. I was like, what are you ball. doing? Look at the scoreboard. You're, you're getting smacked. You're embarrassing yourself. I think that's symptomatic of 2020, Jake. Like, that's what guys do these days, and, you know, I, it drives you crazy. You know, you remember uh, – I don't know if you remember this game. In 2011, the Eagles destroyed the Jets in Philadelphia, and Santonio Holmes celebrated in the end zone. Like, they were losing by, like, 40 points, and he, he put the football down and flapped his arms like like a bird and got a penalty. But, yeah, it's just – guy. I mean, I don't know. I, it's it's what guys do. I, I If I saw it, I probably wouldn't have liked it either, Jake. I, I do think you have to be conscious of the score when you start celebrating – plays in the fourth quarter and listen i don't mean to sound like the get off my lawn guy but get off my freaking lawn with that you're frankie louvu and you made a tackle on a run congratulations what'd you do with the other freaking plays of this football game put a clown all over his face you got embarrassed you got smacked across the face absolute buffoonery you got sucker punched by geno smith that's what happened so you know i just god that pissed me off and i i wanted to shut it off after that i mean most people shut it off way before that um but you know but I had it on. I had red zone.
and I was kind of more focused on red zone to be honest with you. So what do you do, Jake? You have two screens. What do you, are you have a, you have an iPad going? What do you do? I usually have, so I got my new 43 inch Toshiba fire TV, great sound quality. Get maybe the enhanced bass, turn the bass up to 10. Um, I have that usually that I had the giants at one and jets four. And then the other TV, I set the Chromecast. I sign into my Verizon and have the red zone on there. I got tweet deck on one of my laptops. Keep up with your tweets and everyone's tweets. And then I'll have check my fantasy teams, you know, check my parlays. Yeah, so I have usually four screens. You know, Jets and Giants were different times, so it allowed me to focus on one game and red zone. Sometimes I got two games and red zone and tweets. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's an ADD heaven, I guess. ADHD yeah. heaven. Sounds like a sounds like Caesar's Sportsbook to me, you know, with all the TVs up there. You're watching all the different TVs. It's like, you know, I'm a lot older than you, Jake, as you know. And I was saying to Alex before, you know, when I was a kid, it was like the Giants were at 1 o'clock, the Jets were at four o'clock they never played at the same time and that was all you got you got those two games and that was it and that you were and you liked it that was it you why there was no red zone there was no other games they didn't even usually have like a national game against them i don't even remember that happening very much so when i you know you know i went to penn state but first before i went to penn state i went to purdue I transferred to Penn State. So my freshman year at Purdue, the Colts were terrible. This is pre-Peyton Manning. This is like, this is 1994. So they are terrible. They couldn't sell out their games in Indianapolis. So the games wouldn't be shown on TV because of the blackout rules. So there was no Colts games on TVs. So you would get the best games in the country every week. And it was like heaven to me. It was like, oh my gosh, I get to watch you know, the 49ers Cowboys game because you never got to watch that in New York. Cause even though the jets and giants would be bad at times, they, the games were always on TV. The games were always sold out. There was the waiting list for season tickets. So to me, it's just crazy now. And with all these options, I don't understand how anyone's watching a full jets game these days. If you can watch red zone and, you know, watch other games on direct TV or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Well, I only have the jets game on for the show. Otherwise I probably would, <laughs> I'd be locked in and, you know, I was, you know, red zone was, uh, and and, there, and there's the uh, fire hydrant coming to take Jets fans away here. Uh-oh. <laughs> Your Frankie Luvu take was so hot, the fire department's coming, yeah, Jake. They're, <laughs> they're coming to take the uh, fire out here in Astoria. Uh, yeah, Red Zone is an absolute game changer. I paid, like, the premium sports cable package so I can have Red Zone because it didn't have, like, I needed NBA TV. I needed, yes, MSG for Knicks and Nets coming up. But, yeah, uh, Kaz, how about this? The Jets beat the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle, the first game of the Bill Parcells era after that 1-15 season in 96. August 31st, 97, 41-3 they won with Neil O'Donnell throwing for five touchdowns. How about that? Do you remember that game? I don't. <laughs> I don't remember. I remember you saying it now, but I, like I, I and I know that score from looking at it, but I don't remember the game at all. But yeah, that, that just shows much different times now than uh the 1997 Jake. Sergio Castillo I mean you know I don't know if he made the the bus back to the to the airport <laughs> hotel I mean maybe we'll yeah. ask Mark Canizero maybe he tries out you try out I mean you've been there you're getting your COVID test you could probably fulfill the protocol requirements Canizero little known fact about Mark Canizero kicker in college Co- College soccer player. I did oh, the, wow. College okay. soccer player. Yes. So this I, isn't I, such I a joke. Think, Let's just sign Canizaro to kick. Come on. I think he could. I think he might be able to kick. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. 
He could be certainly can't be as bad as Sergio Castillo. I mean, he can be just as bad, just as bad, I guess. I mean, there's a reason he's bounced around, and I mean, maybe Sam Ficken. I mean, it doesn't really matter. But you'd like to have a competent kicker who's not kicking one, you know, 30, 30 yards left of the post. Yeah, if only they, if only they had a guy like Jason Myers, Ugh. Jake, or a guy like you know, the guy that the Patriots has been kicking pretty well too, Nick Folk. I don't know if you've heard of him. Ugh. You know, if only the Jets could get a kicker like that. Like I. The kicker churn here has been so weird to me. They've been searching since Folk, and they had one in Myers, and then they let him walk because he wanted a little bit of money. Of all, like the McCagnan blunders, obviously Hackenberg is the number one blunder, and there's Tremaine Johnson, and there's plenty of you go down the list. The that this decision on special teams entering last season, entering 2019, with letting Myers go and Andre Roberts, the, those are underrated as just terrible McCagnan decisions. Yeah, you got. I mean, special teams is important. You see, it's it's causing the Giants pretty badly. Obviously, it's causing the Jets. And you know, you gave the, you only gave a D minus because of Valentine's return. Other than that, uh, they stunk. So uh, the other game people watch for the Jaguars. They were spanked by the Titans. They are now one and twelve. Three games to go. So the battle, the tank for Trevor continues. The Jaguars still have Ravens, Bears, and Colts. So a tough three and head. The Bears uh, got back to winning ways after their losing streak. And then the Jets, we had the Rams, Browns, and Pats. So the tank for Trevor is still alive. Guys, it really could end up coming down to that Patriots game. It's looking more and more like that, especially now that they are essentially out of the right. They're six and seven. They'd have to win out and get a whole lot of help, but it looks like the Patriots are done. And, you know, I'm just fearing Jared Sidham throwing five picks <laughs> and the Jets losing I'm six nervous. to three. How nervous will you be, Jake, if they're 0-15 going to Foxborough? Oh, well, I'll have that game on the 43-inch. I'll be locked in. I won't have red zone on there. I'll I'll have the lag on red zone. That's the thing, because when you Chromecast it, it's lagged, and I'm seeing the tweets come up of plays happening, and that pisses me off. I like to be up-to-date on everything that's happening in the world, Twitter, the vaccine, everything going on in the world. I want to be up-to-date. So when I see tweets of what happened and I didn't see it already, I want to, like, throw my laptop but that game will be on live, no lag, Jets, Pats. I might have to buy a 65-incher for that one, Kaz, uh, because I, I think it's going to come down to that. It's really looking like that game can mean something. And I, I, I'm just envisioning that Bill Belichick evil laugh. You know, he did it when him and Adam Gase had that uh, standoff where they remember they were declining penalties on the punt. You remember yeah, that play? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, they were running down the clock. Yeah, and he started laughing. Yeah, and there's the um, the one I love, and I'm just Alex just reminded him he's drinking his orange juice. You ever see the the, the gif of of Belichick drinking the orange juice? At the owners' meetings, we at the at the owners' meetings we didn't have them this year. But at the owners' meetings every year in March, there's a, a coach's breakfast where the media gets to go and you spend an oh, hour one. Yes, I interviewing see the coach and and, and there actually is breakfast served. And Belichick had a big glass of orange juice and some. I think Jeff Howe from the Athletic took the picture of him drinking the orange juice and it just like I don't know, he looks evil doing it. Yo, yeah, the, the Belichick paranoia that week is going to be through the roof. Uh, for Jets fans, like I mean, oh, uh, because here's the thing: every time the Jets cut a player, I get the Patriots are going to sign him, and the guy's going to be great in New England. That doesn't ever really happen, you know. I mean, not it, ever. It I has happened. It, it has happened, but you guys act like you guys act like every player the Jets cut is going to get signed by New England and become an All Pro, like. You admit that, right? Like Not everybody. That's your fear. I, I look at like them being an option, and a lot of that's Belichick. He's just evil, right? And like you know, I've heard it with Sam. Uh, Donald's going to end up with the Patriots somehow and become a Pro Bowler. You know that that's the fear. So that week is going to be crazy with the Belichick conspiracy theories, and is he going to throw the game so they don't get Trevor Lawrence? Uh, that's going to be that's going to be some madness that week. Jake. But I mean, I don't want to say it, but I mean, 
mean, I mean, Cam Newton might be one of your options. So it would not stun me if Sam Darnold went there. I don't think he'll go there and be a the pro Jets bowler. Can't trade him there. The Jets can't trade him there, Jake. They, that, that's the one place the Jets can't trade him. I will say I could see a scenario where Sam goes somewhere for a year and it doesn't work out, and then maybe the Patriots sign him in 2022. I could see that scenario. And then he becomes a we'll – see, we'll go to the uh, induction in Canton. We'll be covering it in, uh, <laughs> in 15 to 20 years. Oh, man, I could already see it. All right, you know, let's look back to some better days. Let's bring Alex in here. Alex, um, I guess the Jets are pretty good in week 14. Let's let's go this Is week. Is some crack research by Alex here, Jay? Yeah, <laughs> of, of the last five years. We're not going to go any further. That, that's past our uh, pay grade. But over the last five years, this week in Jets history in the past five, I don't even know if that's history. That's like recent history. That's like You could find that in your search history on Google Chrome. Um, I probably still have the stories in my computer. <laughs> So let's go, uh, Alex, in the uh, Jets history archive of the last five years. Anything memorable happened? Yeah, I didn't really dig too deep into the archives here. I only went back to 2015, but the Jets have been notoriously good in Week 14, with the exception of yesterday, of course. But everybody remembers Sam Ficken's game-winning field goal last week or last year against the Miami Dolphins. They beat the Dolphins 22-21. Boy, could the Jets use uh, Sam Ficken all over again after Castillo's performance yesterday. That was also a game where Sam Darnold actually threw two touchdown passes, something we really haven't seen in since when, Cause It's been uh, last week, Alex. He did throw uh, two right. last so they, week. So, yeah, yeah. so last week, what was the time before that? It was a couple before of Before that, it was the Ravens last December, yeah. There you go. But in 2016, the Jets won in overtime over the San Francisco 49ers, who at the time had Colin Kaepernick as their quarterback. Cause you covered the game. Remember that pretty vividly? Colin Kaepernick had a amazing first half, and that was pretty much it for him in his career. Yeah, the two things I remember about that game the most is Bryce. that was the game Bryce Petty won. I think that's the only game Bryce Petty won in his career, if I'm not mistaken. I remember, Canizero would remember this too. After the game, Canizero saw Woody Johnson outside the locker room and Woody was like gloating that they had found a quarterback in Bryce Petty, which was funny because Bryce didn't play all that well. They won in overtime on a Bilal Powell touchdown. I think Bilal Powell had a pretty big game that day, if I remember right. Let me look it up. Yeah, 29 rushes, 145 yards and two touchdowns that day for for Bilal Powell. Uh, And then Kaepernick is the other one. And obviously there's been a lot of talk of about Colin Kaepernick in recent years and I always remember that game because he did not play well that day he had, a, he had a good first half and then he vanished in the second half and the Jets shut him down and that was one of the last games he played um that was toward the end of the 2016 season they were one in 12 the 49ers and you know I know there's a lot of reasons why people think Colin Kaepernick is in the NFL but if you watch that game it's hard to make an argument that he should be in the NFL after watching that game he was terrible that day but yeah for the Jets perspective Bryce Petty was the big story that was uh not very memorable Alex but I do remember some, I do remember a little bit about it I think they ended up falling apart after that it, it was the, it was the next week or no two weeks later was the Patriots game when they lost 41 to 3 which was their worst loss yesterday was the worst loss since then since that game there you go that's that's <laughs> Jets Jets week 14 summed up in the last five years for you. We, we want to do some debating. And for that, we'll get into the game and the Jets, but we also debate Billy Joel versus Bruce Springsteen with longtime New York Post football columnist, golf columnist. He's covered it all. Mark Canizero next right here on Gangs All Here. And joining us now is longtime New York Post football columnist, sports writer, columnist, does it all, former Ithaca College Blue Bomber soccer player like Kaz mentioned earlier in the show. It's Mark Canizero. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark Canizero. Can Kaz says you were a soccer player, which means 
if you could fulfill the protocols, you'll be kicking for the Jets next Sunday, right? Well, I used to be able to kick a little bit, Jake, honestly. But uh, when I first started my sports writing football covering career, well, I used to cover the Giants. And uh, myself and a colleague of mine, John Giannone, who now works for MSG, at the time he was a Giants beat writer for the Post, we used to go out. This is when things were a lot looser in practice, by the way. You know, now we can, you know, as Cos knows, we were allowed to see about 27 minutes of calisthenics and then we have to, you know, march back off the field. But. Back in the day, when the team, when the Giants were play, were practicing outside the stadium, out in their, you know, in their perimeter practice field, Giannone and I, we used to go into the stadium, and he was he loved to punt, and I loved to kick field goals. So he would hold for me on field goals. I kicked uh, my my long was fifty three yards at Giants at the old Giants stadium. Whoa! And Whoa, and. So my my favorite story with that, and I, I believe me, I don't mean I don't mean to be talking about myself, and I've just spun into this vortex. But uh, and I'm not saying I'm great in any way. But the, the coolest thing out of that was um, one day we were doing that, and I would I would I would field Geno's punts, and he would hold for me on the, on the field goals. You know, flat hold, no no tee, nothing like that. This one day we were out there, Parcells decided to move them inside to the stadium while we were out there screwing around. Now, normally in this day and age, that we would be not only thrown off the beat, we might be court-martialed for that, right? But it was a, it was a looser day back then. And one of my favorite players of all time that I've covered, Matt Barr, who at the time was a Giants kicker, uh, who Parcells said was the most clutch kicker of all time, of course, kicked those five field goals to send them to the Super Bowl uh, in San Francisco. Barr, he comes out of the field, he goes, let me see what you got. So now I had a little pressure, and, you know, I'm kicking 40, 45, you know. And he's like, all right. He goes, now I want you to take a shoe, shoe and sock off, kick barefoot. So I did it, and I made, you know, I made like some 35, 40-yarders barefoot. Uh, so I, I got a little little street cred with, uh, with the Giants kicker, Matt bar who was one of the great personalities uh, i've ever covered and i am sorry to everybody on this podcast for me rambling on that but you started it joe, Jake. yeah blame joe douglas joe douglas is, would like to talk can you know yeah, i don't know i don't know how live my leg is at, at age 59 however cause so <laughs> yeah, i tell you what though it, i bet it's a lot more live than sergio castillo's look right. yesterday uh, you i tell you when, when he's he worse than sergio I tell you, when he missed that first one, which drifted wide right, then he kicks the second. As you know, I'm I'm totally into kickers because I'm you know I played soccer and I'm just into it. You know, Cos likes to razz me. I'm the I'm the official kicker writer. You know, every year. So uh, so I was you know I'm, I was observing. You know, obviously he fades the first one a little bit you know, off to the right. Second one, he totally overcorrects and hooks it. The third one, right before the end of the first half, he literally looked like he he went after that ball so tentatively. He had no you know he was like a golfer that had no idea. If if he or she was going to slice or hook the ball. It was such a tentative uh, strike at the ball, I thought, uh, which really showed me that he was completely lost. But again, that's certainly, if had he made those three field goals, they're only down 23-9 at the half, I say only, but at least it's respectable. And the Jets are getting something out of their efforts, right? The Jets were not going to win that game, you know, if they had Jan Stenerud at kicker. But it was definitely an interesting dynamic to watch. And I thought the more he kicked, the more tentative, tentative and, and like look, it was more in his head, those misses. Yeah, he was... Uh... He was brutal. Jake and I covered the kicking woes before a little bit, just how this team, you know, how they let Jason Myers walk is inexcusable. Ken, you know, you kind of wrote to the fact of that maybe they've hit their breaking point. You know, the Raiders game maybe sucked the life out of this team. And I think that was something we all talked about during the week possible and certainly looked that way yesterday. It's hard to tell because the Seahawks are a very good team too. But do you think, do you think they're, they're, you know, I mean, it's funny to say it's an 0-13 team done, but do you think we're done seeing competitive games this year, Ken? 
I don't know, Cause. I think that yesterday was a perfect storm of a disaster for the Jets because A, the Seahawks are superior, and B, they were coming off a game, a loss to the Giants and Colt McCoy the week before. And I don't know, you know, I'm sure you read that, you know, a couple of the Seahawks players basically came out after that game and said they didn't take the game seriously. So I thought, what is going to happen to the Jets in Seattle when the Seahawks are actually taking the game seriously? And the Jets were, you know, coming off that. That, that game. But, you know, if you, you know, I mean, we're looking at a game in L.A. next week, you know, which is one of the hotter, better teams right now, the Rams. You know, then they have a, their last home game is against the Browns, uh, who are kind of, you know, I think we have to kind of all admit that the Browns are kind of are for real. You know, and the last game is, is in New England, which is probably going to be a garbage time game because the Patriots have little chance to make the playoffs. The one thing, and, and cause you and I have written about it and talked about it before, you know, for all the, for all the, the things that we rip Adam Gase for, in these two years of failed coaching on his part, we have seen no element, you know, no sign of the Jets quitting or, or bitching and moaning or, you know, or pointing fingers or any of that kind of thing, uh, which, I, you know, that's really the, the most admirable trait. I don't really think the Jets quit yesterday. I mean, I, I think that the will slowly became more and more broken when Castillo kept missing those field goals. I and mean, you could see Gase's expression after the second or third one. He's just like, really? I mean, come on. What, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, you can make the argument that the Jets shouldn't even try field goals. She's just been going for fourth down every, every time. But, you know, you got to try to coach the game you know as best you can and again it's 23-9 at halftime if he makes those three very makeable field goals none of those field goals was a was a really difficult field goal 43 was the longest yeah yeah so, so I, I don't i think that they'll be competitive but the problem is you know the rams are look like they're kind of hitting their stride you know after seeing what they did against the patriots i would think that the jets run defense better have its, its antennae up after seeing what the Rams did to the Patriots the, uh, the other night and Thursday. So competitive, as I kind of mentioned in my column, this, you know, I mean, I know every Jet fan wanted the Jets to lose and I get that, you know, they want the Trevor Lawrence thing. But if you're a Jet fan, do you really want to watch 40-3? to 3? I have a hard time believing any Jet fan wants to see that. I have a feeling, I think the perfect game for the Jet fan was the Raider game the week, previous week. It was a competitive, kind of exciting game where the offense actually showed a little bit of life and they lost. Right. All right. We've done thirty minutes of Jets talk. Let's let's go to what everyone wants to hear, and that's the debate of <laughs> Bruce Springsteen versus Billy Joel Canizero. And you know, I tweeted, "It's not even a debate." And I think I quote tweeted Brandon Tierney, who had famously tweeted Woody Johnson and got the at you period I response. I don't know if that was a butt dial or 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 do we know what happened? Like Tweetgate. Uh, what happened with uh, Woody Johnson with that tweet? Does any did anyone look into this? I, I, I don't. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I think it was yeah. a butt dial. That's not the that's not the Twitter account that Woody's currently using. He has the ambassador account that he's using. So maybe oh, it was his son or something. Okay. I don't know. So maybe yeah, maybe his son got it his could, yeah. Could have been could have been could have been brick working the uh, working the working the uh, the keyboards, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that. Okay, that, that might make more sense. Anyways, back to the debate. Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel. So. You know, I've been told, you know, Alex did a little research. Bruce has apparently a net worth of $500 million. Billy has a net worth of $225 million. So richer, I guess, is Bruce. But in my opinion, and I'm from New York. I've lived in Connecticut, too, but I call myself a Queens guy. Billy Joel, I feel like, has more long-lasting hits. Hits that you hear. You hear Piano Man. You hear New York State of Mind. You hear these songs at stadiums, at games, or sing-alongs. People do karaoke to it. When I think of Bruce Springsteen, I think of Born in the USA and Born to Run maybe Thunder Road, a few others. But Billy Joel, I just feel like, has more long-lasting hits that are globally appreciated, Can, But let, let me hear your side of why why you pick Bruce here. 
Well, first of all, Jake, was it your original tweet or was it Brandon's original tweet? Did you retweet Brandon's I think tweet? I, quote tweeted, sure how... I think I quote tweeted Brandon. I said, it, I said it's not even a debate. Bill so, you, so, you did not, so you did not start this nonsense then Brandon no, actually I would. I wouldn't start that randomly out of nowhere. I just saw it and quote tweeted it, yeah. <laughs> Jake, yeah, Jake, yeah. Didn't start, Jake didn't start the fire, Ken. Yeah. Oh, oh, there you go. Oh, oh, oh. speaking of bad oh. freaking tunes, by the by. <laughs> wow. Uh, Fighting words. Listen, I, I mean, I, honestly, you can't. You can't make an argument for that song can you jake really i mean, I mean does, he, do you like, that's not do you like the, uptown girl too or what well, i like uptown girl <laughs> but we, oh, didn't, we didn't start the fire is not even in my top 10 of billy joel songs i'll say that <laughs> it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be in your top 500 <laughs> uh listen i you know full disclosure i i've been a springsteen fan since i was a kid i'm not from new jersey but i've lived in Jer- new jersey most of my life i'm from connecticut myself but I was a rabid Springsteen kid as a, you know, fan as a teenager. I have all respect for Billy Joel. I've seen him numerous times in concert. I love his old stuff. You know, I mean, if you go back to, you know, here's, here's the problem with Joel. He went off the rails with Uptown Girl and he never really got back. He never returned. Never, never got back on the road after that, I feel like, you know. But listen, some of his old stuff is fantastic. And you're right. There is, there are, he's got iconic tunes. But And again, it's very hard for us to really make up an objective argument here because I am a ma- you know, Springsteen is one of my favorite. I, I, I can't count the times I've seen Springsteen live, you know, and some of his songs bring me to tears. You know, I mean, you, you mentioned several of his songs before. You Maybe you, didn't, you haven't heard of Jungle Land before, which maybe is the tr- most tremendous anthem of all time other than stairway to heaven in my opinion but again these, this is all totally subjective stuff but anyway yeah i i don't i just I, I saw that and i'm not a huge retweeter or comment tweeter guy you know i'll throw a little you know wisecrack every once in a while but when i saw that i just had for our listeners uh when i saw that i basically uh, i retweeted and i said you guys both are embarrassing yourselves right now <laughs> but i mean the, the thing is though you can't in saying that that is not to intimate that Billy Joel stinks. You know what I mean? Because that's not that's not where I was going. But I, you know, to me, it's just not even. I think Bruce is a you know a much more iconic figure in the in the land of rock and roll than Billy Joel. Cause I respect Can's opinion because he was alive in late December back in '63. So there you go, another reference. Oh, <laughs> here, here's where I was too, Jake. Here's where, I, here's, here's what I would add to to this argument, Jake. You're right, Billy. They're kind of contemporaries, right? They started around the same time in the '70s. Billy Joel basically gave up in 1993. Like he he called it a day. Like he's still touring, but he hasn't. I, I don't think he's had a a, a studio album uh, of new songs since 1993. Bruce a, is still going. A he had a new album last. A new album came out last week. Like he was you know, on Saturday Night Live, ra- you know, railing out a really tremendous brand new tune. <laughs> I mean, you know, and he, let me tell you something. For for 70 whatever, he's. I mean, he looks freaking better than any of us do. <laughs> but does he yeah, have a monthly I, residency at Madison Square Garden? No, he does not. Right. Hey, now. you know, let, let, let me tell you something. Don't don't measure Joel on that because if Bruce Springsteen did residency, he would at least match that. If not, you know, I'm not going to say go, you know, extend, you know, extended because I think that's a really cool thing that Joel did, has done. By the way, I think it's tremendous. Uh, you know, I wish we did more of that kind of thing. I wish we could actually go see a concert right now. It's also part of him hanging it up. Like he he Bruce still tours the world. Like if. If there wasn't COVID right now, Bruce would be touring to support this album this year. Like Billy Joel's like, you know what? Like I live, how, how you know, I live on, on Long Island. I'll go to the Madison Square Garden and do a concert every three months for the next 10 years. Like, yeah, you know, which Bruce is, is, which is what, world. like, like six, 45 minutes from home or wherever it is, right? right? An hour hey. from his house. Bruce is still working, Jake. Bruce is still working. Listen. I think, I think listen, for, for what Bruce's age is versus, versus Billy Joel, I don't think you can, I don't think you can, 
argue, Jack, that Bruce, that Bruce is not far more relevant, as it remained far more relevant, I think Cos brings up a good point, than Billy, you know, has. He just has so many sing-along, karaoke, timeless classics that he doesn't need anything else. He's so got so Neil many... Diamond. Yeah, but he's... Dude, yes. dude, are you... Are you first of all, I, 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 would, I would like to respect you as some... I know you're younger than Cos and me, but as, uh, have some semblance of rock and roll acumen. Just because something's a good karaoke song, okay, does not mean it's a really good song, okay? In fact, most of the good karaoke songs suck, okay? So let's just leave it at that now. Jake is out here arguing Sweet Caroline is the best song ever written. (laughs) I mean, Kaz, you're a metal guy, right? You know, so you, you like you like. Hey, I'm everything. I've seen I've seen Bruce twelve times. Like I I am a huge Bruce guy, and I've seen Billy Joel. I saw Billy Joel at the Garden two years ago. I only saw him once, and he's great. Like I love Billy Joel. He's great, but I, I do like he right now. He's like an oldies act. Like he's just he just plays the same songs that he was playing in 1978. Bruce does that. He's the highest. He's, he's the highest paid oldies act on the planet in in, yes. in, in the history right. of, of like, music. You know, he's great. He's great. I'm not taking away from, but Bruce is still making new music. I think that's worth something like he's he plays the old stuff and the new stuff you know and you guys you guys gonna you guys gonna have me moving out of this freaking argument in a few minutes right now jeez i'm I'm getting pounced here (laughs) i think here's where i'm going to to some degree um and i'm telling you i i am not bsing i like billy joel now i feel like jake I feel like, you know, I mean, you, you just admitted on, on air here that you like you like Uptown Girl, which is concerning to me for starters, okay? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I feel like, have you even listened to stuff from turnstiles from him, you know, that kind of stuff, The Stranger? Yeah, The Stranger is one of my, in my top ten for sure, Billy Joel's songs. Yeah, I'm just like throwing some of his older, you know, I mean, I, I love this 52nd Street album, right, which was kind of an obscure, you know, doesn't didn't really produce any of those quote-unquote iconic hits but i just feel like i feel like literally the moment he recorded uptown girl he drove off a cliff and like never climbed back up (laughs) i I respect your uh opinion and i like that we have differences and i i didn't realize that i mean the net worth difference and i guess number one hits i guess bruce apparently number one hits he had more Jake, that, Jake, that's about the last 27 years. Like, if Billy Joel had continued to make albums and toured the world, he, he'd probably have the same net worth as Bruce. Like, I, But he stopped in 1993. He stopped. He called it a career, basically. Well, Billy has sold 81 million records, Bruce uh, 64, somewhere around there. It's probably changed since that number came out. So I'll hold that stat to my grave. But every other stat, I guess uh, Bruce is winning in records and net worth. So I guess... Uh, and Yeah, I, I don't think... But I, even with Bruce's net worth and records and all that kind of stuff, Jake, that's not how... It, that's that's not how I measure great music. I measure music by the by the tunes, right? So I don't care if if, if he ever had a number one hit ever. Yeah, well, I, I was Either just surprised them. by that number. The just in, in our quick uh, research, in our low budget uh, research here of, of the gangs all your here, crack, your crack staff. Yeah, crack Alex yeah, Cameron staff here. Ken, I was I I brought this up before. The biggest Jets loss in history was that fifty ninety three game. Were you at that game? Didn't you tell me that the Patriots game 1979, 59-3, The Jets lost to the Pats. Oh, I was. Well, yes, that was that. That was in Foxborough. It was fifty-six to three. That was in Foxborough. And by the way, yesterday could have been at least fifty-six to three if they didn't hadn't put Gino in and and you know <laughs> to mop up that fifty-six to three. Believe me, it was much more felt more of a route than yesterday did. Yesterday was kind of a slow bleed, but I was there at that time. I had season tickets to the Patriots, uh, and uh, I sat in the stands for that game. And uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was it was pretty good for a Patriot fan back in the day. <laughs> 
I was also there for the famous uh, snowplow game, which was, I think, might have been the same year, if I'm not mistaken, the John Smith field goal against Miami, when Don Shula, I think, literally almost like blew a few arteries in his temple in that game. But Yeah. We talked about that game, and we also discussed uh, Alex was doing Week 14 memories. We did a little segment of Week 14 memories. In 2016, the the uh, Jets winning in San Francisco at Bryce Petty. You remember Woody Johnson? Didn't Woody make a remark to you about how they how they had found a quarterback in Bryce Petty or something after that game? <laughs> yeah, that was that was a Woody special. Uh, yeah, I mean that's when. Uh, don't get me going. Uh, but. Uh, that stays between at at you and I. That's you. There you go. Boom. Woody Johnson. I don't want to be mean here. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. the holiday season. Yeah, it's the season. Happy Hanukkah, by the way. I didn't mention Happy Hanukkah to all the fellow Jewish people out there. Uh, Lakayim to you, Mark Canizero. Maybe in 2022 we will do uh, karaoke Billy Chovers Bruce Springsteen uh, when the world yeah, well, is just, back. Just don't make me sing Uptown Girl, okay? Jake is going to sing River of Dreams the next, next podcast. Yeah. Band, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, how about 2020? Too, can if it happens i take you to a billy joel concert we all go and you take me to bruce springsteen maybe i need a greater appreciation for the boss himself and maybe i will go because yeah i, 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 I would listen i'm i'm just looking forward to the time we can go see live music again which is doesn't seem like it's i'm, I'm looking the, forward the to the time i could eat a sandwich inside again i mean that would be nice too somewhere <laughs> uh, now that's shut down too so uh, yeah that's a shame yeah we missed we missed the world as is and shout out to all the frontline workers all the restaurant workers all the small businesses out there as well going through this difficult time we appreciate you uh keeping us fed and uh we'll all get through this together and mark canizero we'll get through this segment we just did and uh we'll see you on sunday kicking for the jets in hollywood all right sounds good and so it goes we're moving out of episode 56 the lance mel edition of gangs all here our jets podcast from the new york post Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me out in producing the show. Show gangs all here some love. Give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your continued support. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We return to your eardrums on Thursday to preview the Jets matchup with the Rams. Stay safe, everybody. Just lose, baby.